everybody. Welcome to Health Hackers episode 33. I'm Gemma Evans, journalist and presenter in the UK. This is my series spotlighting unique figures in health and well-being. This episode is to coincide with the start of Allergy Awareness Week and my special guest today is Emma Amoskato and she is the writer behind this, Living With Allergies. If you are watching on YouTube, you can see Emma's book, which Allergy UK has described as the first comprehensive book ever about allergies. Congratulations on the book, Emma. Thank you. Um, we should say, we've met before, mm. because um, for those of you who don't know, I have an allergy to some nuts, and Emma and I met at an Allergy UK event. Yeah, I think it was the Hero Awards. The Hero Awards, mm. both of Emma's children have multiple allergies yeah. between them. Um, so we were there in a supportive capacity. Mm. Um, so it's good to see you again. You too. Now, talking about your children, I guess that leads us into why you wrote the book. Can you tell us a bit about the story and what led to you creating this guide? Yeah, so six years ago my son was born. First time mum, kind of coming to terms with all that. And fairly quickly realising my son, he wasn't a happy baby. He cried, he vomited, he didn't sleep. You just knew there was something up, but trying to get the doctors to pay attention or to take it seriously or to get the support we needed was really difficult. And back then, I just really wanted this book or something like it to give me that kind of grounding and understanding of it. And when I couldn't find it, after then having my daughter as well, who, as you say, also has allergies, I decided to write it. So this really surprised me that in the book you say that almost half the UK population now has at least one allergy mm. yet you said you you really had to fight to get a diagnosis so what what are the main challenges here that parents are coming up against is it at the GP level it is mainly at the GP level so I think that's where most parents are having the issues is you know you've got this baby it's not always a baby my child might be slightly older but most of the people contacting me is because they've got a baby or a young child who is either throwing up feeds or has got often severe eczema that's what James had um, and the GPs are just sending them away with more emollients or creams or having that kind of patronising conversation of, oh, you know, you, are you a first time mum? You know, babies cry and that kind of thing. And you're like, no, this isn't right. And so it's very much that first line level health visitors, GPs. It's, it's a very, some are great, many aren't. It just kind of depends who you get. So what did you end up having to do to get a diagnosis? So I went to the GPs weekly, sometimes daily, <laughs> saying these creams aren't working, um, he's, he's not well, you know, the, the eczema isn't getting any better, I think something else is up, and just not getting anywhere. And so eventually, actually what I did was I had to change GP surgeries. I'd heard there was another GP in a different surgery who was good with children, and I said, oh, I want to change GP surgery. That in itself was a big hassle. I ended up having to make a big scene <laughs> in the middle of the reception until they eventually let me through to see this doctor. Um, the minute he saw James, he said, I can't believe they've let it get to this stage. I'm sending you to A&E. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And all the while, I mean, you're talking about this in a kind of summary sense. Mm. Change GP yeah, did this. Yeah. But all the while, every single day, you're dealing with your baby crying. Absolutely. In agony, presumably. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's incredibly stressful and upsetting. And all you want to do is help your baby. And, you know, you're seeing other babies that just lie there and are happy or seem calm. And m my son, his eczema was just horrible. And, yeah, you're desperately, you're already a new mum thinking, oh, God, I don't know what I'm doing. And then trying to deal with that, yeah, it's really overwhelming and really difficult. You ended up getting some allergy testing. Mm. 
Now, how did you know what to test for? Because I know that when I have had allergy testing, we know I have an allergy to nuts, so yeah. they just test yeah. nuts on, on my skin, yeah. um, very small doses, skin prick testing. Mm. But you must have had this blank canvas, like I don't know what he's allergic to. Well, I'd already, we'd already figured some of them out through um, his reactions during breastfeeding, and then really it was when we started weaning him that we properly started noticing reactions. So he, we knew he was reacting to dairy at that point. Um, his first big reaction during weaning was to hummus, so we pretty much knew it was sesame. He just had, he licked like a tiny amount, and he, he just started vomiting at hives all over him. Um, and he'd also had a contact reaction to walnuts as well, like touched something and then touched his food, and he'd had a reaction. Um, and a few others, so we kind of had a, a basis to work on a few other suspected ones say fish and garlic and so then we got there and they tested for those and pretty much just tested for everything else yeah. as well at that point so yeah. what would your advice be to a new mum now who suspects um, her baby has mm. some kind of allergy mm. I would say trust your instinct um, arm yourself with the information you know, there's obviously the books, there's lots of great stuff on Allergy UK. There's the nice guidelines which show you what your GP should be doing if they suspect an allergy. So that's a really good thing to understand and even take with you to the GP. Um, and I know you shouldn't have to be, but you know, be persistent. You know, just keep pushing. Yeah. Um, my understanding is that no allergy test is 100% accurate. Yeah. Is that what you found? Because you interviewed yeah. many, many experts in your book. Mm. So really, what's the best way of knowing? The best way to know is to do a food challenge. So firstly, it's looking at your, your medical history and your reaction history and talking that through with the doctor. Um, you're more likely to have a false positive than you are a false negative. So sometimes it may come up in a skin prick test that you're more allergic to something, but that could be cross-reactivity, or it can be that you're sensitized to it, but you don't actually react to it. So sometimes they may test for something that you eat perfectly safely, but then it says you're allergic to it. Mm -hmm. So, and you can have a false negative. Um, my daughter has, she said, it said she was negative to egg. And I was like, I know she's not. And then when we fed it to her in a baked egg, she had a big reaction, but that's much less common. Um, so the, the only kind of gold standard way of doing it is a hospital supervised food challenge if there's any discrepancy. Now, I, I've never done a food challenge, I guess, under medical supervision. Mm. What does that involve? Is it you just sit down and you eat the thing? No, so they do it very, very slowly. So my kids have been in to do milk, so they went in to eat a biscuit, <laughs> to okay. do baked milk, and to do baked egg where they had to eat a muffin. But you don't eat it all at once, so you go in um, and they start by just rubbing a bit on your skin, and then you wait about 20 minutes and then they'll rub a bit on your lip, same thing, and then you'll eat like a tiny crumb. And so you build it up very slowly, usually waiting about 20 minutes between each thing to check mm. for reaction. So it's not a case that you just go in and they make you eat a peanut straight off. It's all done very kind of slowly in a, in a controlled way. So which allergies do your two children have? So my son is allergic to egg, sesame, peanuts, tree nuts, and garlic. And my daughter is allergic to egg, sesame, milk, but we're working our way up the milk ladder now. So fingers crossed, we're on our way to outgrowing it. So she can have baked milk now, which is brilliant. Um, and chili, although that's a bit of a contentious one that we haven't actually managed to confirm, but she reacts to it. 
It's interesting, isn't it? I sometimes wonder whether I've grown out of an allergy to some of the nuts mm. or not, and I, part of me doesn't really want to test yeah. to, to figure out, but maybe I could go for one of these food challenges. Um, so you mentioned there about growing out mm. of them. Uh, how possible or how likely is that in reality? So some of them are much more likely than others. So if you've got an egg or a milk allergy, which are much more common in an infant, in small kids, they reckon about 80% of children will grow out of them by school age. 80%? Yeah, so wow. it's high, it's high. Okay. Um, with other allergies like nuts or shellfish, it's pretty much the opposite. So you, there's about an 80% chance you won't grow out of it. You okay. can do, but it's much more likely that it will be lifelong. And are there factors that increase your child's likelihood of outgrowing it? Yeah, so the earlier, which seems back to front, but the earlier the onset of the allergy, oh, the more really? likely you are to outgrow it. Okay. Yeah. If you didn't have eczema with it or any other kind of related conditions, then you're more likely to outgrow it. But there's still so much they don't really know. I mean, James, had an, he had severe eczema. He had an anaphylactic milk allergy. He outgrew it. He outgrew yeah. anaphylactic allergy. Yeah. That's, well, congratulations. Yeah, it's amazing. Well done, yeah. James. Good <laughs> yeah. for you. Um, also, one thing that struck me in the book, which I didn't know about, was that there are ways parents could help prevent their children from developing mm. allergies. Mm. Can you tell us a bit about that? So, I mean, the, the, the kind of biggest one and the most important one are um, the leap and the eat studies. So these are ones that basically tip all the kind of old advice on its head. So parents were often told, don't introduce peanuts, don't introduce high allergenic foods until after the child is one. These studies showed that actually that has probably led to an increase in allergies. And if your child gets um, exposure to them early, by they, they think by 10 or 11 months, so the earlier the better, do it when you start weaning, then the incidence of allergy goes down massively. The, yeah, the studies are really, really kind of That's impressive. really interesting. And there is so much research still going on. Yeah, so much. And so much that we just don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about the severe reaction because, mm. and one of these stats I'm familiar with from doing a Sky News report about this, um, mentioning this a while ago, is that seven times as many people were admitted to hospital with severe allergic reactions in Europe in 2015 mm. than in 2005. Seven times. Yeah, it's crazy. Now when James, your little boy, had his first mm. anaphylactic reaction, how did you know it was anaphylaxis? With that one, we just knew instantly. I mean, so he'd already been diagnosed with the allergies when he was about nine or 10 months old and we'd been given adrenaline injectors. So at that point, we'd obviously started kind of learning about it and knowing more about it. Um, but when he had his anaphylactic reaction, he was 15 months and we just knew instantly. He got hold of another child's milk bottle, he had a sip and we were actually away with some friends and my husband rushed him upstairs and he, you could just hear he had striders, so he was like going, <gasps> like you, could, you could hear his airways were closing up. There wasn't any kind of should we, shouldn't we. Mm. It was just like, yeah, we need to do this. Let's talk about the psychological impact because mm. having to witness your son go through that mm. is terrifying. And we all hear about really tragic stories in mm. the media or we know people yeah. who, you know, the worst has yeah. happened. So what advice would you have for fellow parents to kind of bring that allergy anxiety under control? Yeah. Because I feel fear when I have an allergy. Mm. It must be, I mean, I can't even imagine what it's like to be 
a parent mm. and to be responsible for two children and to oh my gosh I, I mean how do you manage that I think the first thing to remind yourself is that it's very very rare to die from an anaphylactic reaction like all these things when you read those stories and you hear the tragic you know losses it it feels so real and it feels so close and it, it, it does happen you know we can't escape that reality mm. it is still very rare and it Sometimes you have to limit your intake a little bit. That's not to say you have to avoid those stories, but you can get yourself in so many Facebook groups and so many different places where the barrage of information and barrage of stories is just so much that it can feel overwhelming. And the, the idea of how likely that is to happen can get very, very high. So that's one thing for me. I, I took myself off a lot of groups because there was just, there was just too much. It was just making me more anxious rather than less anxious. And then I think you have to you have to know that your feelings are perfectly normal. You're not going crazy. You know, everybody's got to wants to try and keep their child safe. And when you've got something like an allergy to deal with as well, that anxiety is perfectly normal. For me, it's about being able to take back some of the control because that's where the fear mainly comes from, is that lack of control, especially when you're putting your child in someone else's care at school or nursery, or even when you're eating out and you're having to let somebody else prepare food for them. So for me, it's about arming myself with knowledge, knowing mm. that I know, you know, how to read ingredients, how, how to talk to other people about it, um, what I would do if there was an anaphylactic reaction, understanding the medication, all that kind of stuff. And then having plans and steps in place. So um, obviously having your own care plan and your own kind of step-by-step -step mm. thing, but also we worked very closely with James's school and Amalia's nursery to have allergy management plans in place so that they're detailed. It's not just if they have an anaphylactic reaction, do this. It's things like all the children wash their hands after eating or James sits in the same place at the table. And yeah, so we're going through lots of steps of how to keep them as safe as possible. So it's really about just having your toolkit, a mm. mental one and a physical one. Absolutely. And, and just and doing what you can. Exactly, you know, and a, like all anxiety things, a bit of self-care as well. You've got to give yourself a little bit of a break and understand that sometimes those thoughts are gonna creep in and you've got to have your own way of managing mm. them. Um, I like it that you endorse living a full and fun mm. life. Um, I've always tried to live as normally as possible with my allergies. So let's talk about some practical tips. So mm. uh, starting nursery yeah. or school. I'm guessing you chat to the school yeah. long in advance. Yeah. And, and, and what kind of preparation do you put in place? So um, first of all, when you're looking around nurseries or school or childminders, you want to be able to have that conversation, see if they've had any experience with allergies before. And it doesn't matter if they haven't, as long as they're open and understanding to doing something about it. Um, so for James's school, for example, we, there's not free schools in our area. We didn't choose a not free school, partly because we preferred the school that he's at to other schools. And partly because with his multiple allergies, we actually felt that maybe it would be better if they were all kind of thought about equally there. So we spoke to his school pretty much as soon as he got, ex got his place accepted. And I said, I want to sit down with the, with the head teacher and with his class teacher. And I made a long list of all the things I wanted to go through. <laughs> I like lists, a long Excellent. list. We need to cover this. Yeah, yeah, we need to cover all of this. And it's really about communication 
It's about working closely with them and not necessarily going in there and saying, you need to do this, need to do this, saying, look, these are the things we can do to keep them safe. What can we put in place? How can we manage that? Um, and we were lucky that they were very receptive. We've obviously had little you know, bumps along the way where we've had to have mm. other conversations, but overall they've been really good at having a very clear plan. So presumably James has a packed lunch and he knows not to have any food from anyone else's packed lunch? Yeah, exactly. So he knows not to... Sh so as you say, partly it's about James, you know, um, talking to your child as well to make sure they understand their allergies which is obviously easier as they get older when they're at nursery or even when they're just starting school they're still quite young to fully grasp it but simple things like you never share food you never eat anything unless you know the ingredients or mum mm. or your trusted teacher if you trust them you know has looked at it um, knowing what a reaction feels like or what to tell somebody um, and, and what needs to be done about it, always washing your hands, just simple steps can make a massive difference to things. And so, apart from school, we've got eating out. Mm. Now this is one thing that still scares me. Yeah. And <laughs> even if a restaurant tells me everything's yeah. perfectly safe, I still feel afraid yeah. every time I eat out. Mm. Um, and we know because um, Emma and I are a part of a number of people on Twitter who mm. often communicate about good and bad experiences in eating outlets. And we know that some places get it right yeah. and you really feel safe yeah. and you feel looked after and other places don't. So if you're a parent of children with allergies mm. and you're going to eat out, um, what are your top tips? I'd say take it slowly. So if, if you haven't done it before, and it can be scary, you know, don't force yourself to do it, don't go somewhere you feel uncomfortable, I'd say start with a chain restaurant, start with somewhere that has been recommended to you or that you've heard other people know is good. And most of those now will have allergy menus online. So you can go on and you can check it beforehand. Now, the thing is, it's only for the top 14 allergens. So mm. if you have something outside of that, it gets a little bit more complicated. Um, so the best thing to do is contact them in advance either email them or call them up and then you can usually get a good grasp of if they get it or if they're willing to help and that's not just chains I mean we went to a tiny little pub in Norfolk the other week when we were on holiday and we rang them up beforehand and the chef was amazing you know so willing to go through things and went off to look at all the ingredients and yeah didn't make it us feel like we were being a pain or mm. and we totally trusted him so it's not just chain restaurants in the slightest but that's sometimes the most comfortable place for people to start. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's a good idea to have know in advance what you'd like to eat or what you'd like your kids to eat. So I usually call them up and have a couple of options and say, look, we're looking at this and we're looking at that. Can you let me know if that's safe? I've looked at the allergy menu if there is one, but because we're dealing with allergies outside of that, we have to ask extra questions. Um, and then just knowing what questions to ask on top of that in terms of a common one is how things are cooked. Yeah. So often things might be fried in the same oil mm. as something else, so or cooked on the same grill on the as same something grill else. Same grill as, as something yeah. that had some pesto on it or something. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking immediately of the yeah, ones yeah. that applied to me, but you've got many more to consider as well. Yeah, and I know that a lot of people think, oh, what a nightmare. And sometimes it does feel like that, and it must feel like that for you, but like you say, you, you still want to live a normal life. Yeah. And really, why shouldn't you? Why shouldn't you, exactly. And th I think it's really important to do that, kind of for your well-being and, and mm. for the anxiety, to know that you can go out and do that. And especially when you're teaching the children as well, you don't want them to think at that age that it has to hold you back from no. doing things. And you know as much as I do. And 
as how, how much of life revolves around food that you don't realize until it's an issue. You know, mm. how much of socializing or going out, it's, oh, let's just grab some food, oh, let's go to lunch. Mm. If you avoided all those situations, it would be quite tricky. I mean, I will say when they were little, and still sometimes in certain situations, I would take their own food. Yeah. But as they get bigger, like now James is six, we kind of get growing out that stage a little bit now. Yeah, no, I've, I've eaten my own food in a restaurant um, or an eating outlet before because, mm. I mean, it's it's the safest option for them as well. Yeah. You know, I, it avoids me having a yeah. reaction in the outlet if they can't yeah. pay to me or if it doesn't look like mm. there's anything there that yeah. I would feel safe with. Um, now, traveling. Mm. So, um, I always take my own packed lunches on a plane yeah. and I know that I put to great use in any hotel, the mini bar fridge, <laughs> yeah. where I just move all the alcohol and all the bottles out of the way and store my safe foods in yeah. there in case I need my safe mm. food at some point. So you must be traveling with a lot of kind of backup mm. safe food. So what would your advice be for kind of holidays when you've got allergies in the family, apart from packed lunches? Yeah, so I'd say it's perfectly possible to do. Again, it all comes down to planning and preparation, like so much with allergies. So I'd say, it, especially to start with, you know, self-catering is the easiest mm. option, especially with kids. You know, I know plenty of people with allergies that do go to catered places, but the easiest and safest one to start with, if you're nervous, is definitely to go self-catering so that you can, you know, prepare all your own food. Yeah. Um, and again, it's about planning ahead, finding out what out there you can get. You know, so are there certain things that you're going to have to take with you or that you can get out there? Understanding the labelling laws in different countries. Now, Europe is quite straightforward in terms of they've got the same labelling laws as us. Whereas if you go to America, they only have eight allergens. They don't have to label for sesame, for really? example. Yeah. yeah. So if you've got a sesame allergy, it's a whole different game going to America than it is going to Europe. I remember one holiday, I must have been in a Spanish-speaking country because I remember having... Um, I'd asked a waitress to help me and she'd written on the back of like a business card, I have a severe nut allergy mm. in Spanish, so that I could show it to anywhere or yeah. any waiter or waiting yeah. staff. Um, do you recommend things like that? Obviously Absolutely, yeah. Get yourself an allergy translation card of some sort. There's different places that do them, Algae UK do them. There's other places you can order them online and you can have stock phrases like that. You can have all your different allergies on there. And yeah, that is you know so, so important so that you can communicate. Yeah. Have you got any advice for helping eradicate or at least kind of alleviate some of the anxiety within your children about mm. it? Because you said you don't want them to feel yeah. afraid and you wouldn't want them to feed off your fear yeah. if, if it was visible in a parent. So what, how do you sit down and, or how did you explain the allergies to your two? So I try to just make it as normal as possible for them. So it's just part of everyday conversation. So if we're cooking something in a certain way or we're buying something or we're going out to lunch, I'll talk through it with them so they're involved in it. Um, we've also done role play, so we have a toy kitchen and we have eggs and things in there. You know, because right. one of the things with the kids is they often don't know what their allergens look like because they've never come into contact with them. So that's quite a big thing. And so they'll make me a cake and I'll say, oh, has that got egg in it? They're like, oh yeah, we can't have that. So just, you know, in a playful way for them. Um, 
but also things like we show them the the adrenaline injectors you know and how they work so my three-year-old um showed her nursery teachers how to use one so just things like that so it's not i mean to be fair my son is still a bit scared of it not because he remembers having it he doesn't because he was too young but i think just you know you've obviously told them there's a needle in it and it still feels a bit scary but i think you just have to keep talking about it and keep approaching it and make them confident with it. You don't want them to ever think that it's something they have to hide or be embarrassed by. So James, they both have an allergy bracelet with their allergens on. Um, and James is quite proud of wearing him. He likes wearing it. He likes showing it to people. And often if people ask me about their allergies, I'll get them to answer so that they're kind of used to talking about it. And you run your blog all about living with allergies. Yeah. Um, what do a lot of the parents contact you about the most? Is it allergy anxiety or is it just getting by each day like tips and advice I think allergy anxiety is a huge thing across the board and I think it's an area that still isn't really covered you know pretty much you're told okay this is what you're allergic to given an adrenaline injector bye we'll see you in a year or three years or whatever it may be and then you kind of step out into the world going oh my goodness I've got to stay safe or I've got to keep my kids safe and I think that's a major thing I think knowing what's real and what's not is quite a difficult thing for people because you're fed information from so many different sources or you might be on internet forums where people are saying certain things and people get themselves spun up a little bit about well can I do this or can I not do this yeah. and yeah so I think it can be a bit confusing for people which then just fuels the anxiety. I also get a lot of messages about people in that early stage mm. who just aren't getting the help or you're not getting the answers that they need as well. well. One thing I wanted to talk to you about, because I didn't know much about this, is mm. immunotherapy. Mm. So t what is that? And can it really reduce the severity of reactions? Yeah, so it's a massive, massively growing area that's in, is big in the US and is gonna come more and more here. So it's basically, yeah, retraining the immune system. So feeding people tiny, tiny, tiny amounts of the food mm -hmm. so you know the only one that's been available here is peanut immunotherapy and you're talking like a fraction dust amount of peanuts to start with and then over time you build it up very slowly to the point where someone with a peanut allergy can eat and has to eat multiple peanuts a day to kind of mm -hmm. keep that tolerance so it's not a cure it doesn't make your allergy go away but it means that you can tolerate a certain amount and you're less likely to have a reaction is to it. Is this something that you're looking into that you might try? Uh, yeah, it's something I've been thinking about. I mean, the only one available here is privately at Adam Brooks for peanuts. There's others being developed and there's others being talked about that look like they're going to launch at some of the clinics mm. in London as well. And possibly for beyond peanuts as well, for tree nuts and egg and milk. Yeah. I, mean, I think there's, there's certain issues with it. Obviously, privately, there's the price. It's, mm. it's I think the one at Adam Brooks is about 16,000. Obviously, if you've then got multiple allergies, that only covers one of them. Mm. So that's the other thing to consider. The main thing with my kids at the moment would be the regime of doing it and being able to keep up. You have yeah. to keep up the protocol and they have to eat that food. And, you know, they may have minor reactions along effects, the way yeah. and so there's quite a few things to consider it's not just I think 
you know, oh yes, we should mm. do that. But then people that have done it, it's absolutely life changing, especially if you do mm. have the single allergy that you can do it. Mm. I mean, it is life changing. Yeah, and it's a lot bigger in, yeah, in America. Well, it sounds really interesting. Mm. Um, but like we said, there's so much more research going on. Yes, so, so much. much. More work taking place mm. in this area. Um, you mentioned there the kind of, the fear of, you know, being given EpiPens, mm. and I, I remember. So I didn't get EpiPens. I don't think till I was about fourteen, mm. um, and I remember thinking, "Wow, like my night allergy must be bad. Mm. I've been given these, like this this weapon in my bag." Yeah, and. I'm, I'm looking back now, I'm wondering if, you know, that led to anxiety because yeah. I imagined mm. what, what's going to happen to yeah. me uh, and this is why I have to carry this thing around with me um, and like you said, like knowing what is reality yeah. and not yeah. is going to make a big difference. I think in my head I, I must have imagined yeah. worst case scenarios which just fueled fear. Yeah, um, and I think that's a really good point because you do hear from people, I think it depends what allergy clinic you go to or if it's been prescribed by a GP, that sometimes people are just given it and told yeah. to go on their way, whereas actually it's such an amazing tool, it's really easy to use and in the majority of cases it works really quickly. Mm. You know, when we gave it to James it worked so quickly, literally within a minute you could see his breathing easing but there is this yeah this fear of oh my goodness this is needle and this yeah. this medicine and and then I you know then I was afraid to use it yeah oh, well this looks like such a severe yeah. implement that that I must uh, must make sure that I'm really bad if exactly. I'm gonna use yeah. it yeah and unfortunately there's so much research and so many stories of people that haven't used it or have delayed using yeah. it for those very reasons which is why I think it's so important for people to practice with it you know you can you can get um, practice ones. You can also just use an old one in an orange, like to give yeah, it a I've go. Done that as yeah, well. um, I think we'd both recommend chatting to your allergy doctor about mm. when when to use yours. Because yeah. I still feel confusion about it sometimes, and and I know that everybody has reactions in such a unique way. They do, and not every reaction is the same no. every time. And I think it is a tricky thing here because in America their guidance is a lot more clear cut. I'd say it's a lot more um, cautious than we are here, but it's also a lot more clear cut. Whereas here, it's often, well, you know, if they generally say if your breathing gets bad yeah. or your circulation gets bad, but then some people's reactions don't start like that. So they might start oh, with vomiting no. or just a feeling or, I remember yeah. I'd say my worst reaction um, when I ended up in intensive care, it was actually while I was on holiday. Mm. And, um, and I remember just the, the swelling, mm. the swelling and the welts all mm. over my body. Um, but I, I felt like I still could breathe. Mm. And yet another time when I was in the UK, I had wheezing yeah. and rashes. So it, it, it feels yeah. different every time. Yeah. And sometimes when I do feel, because with me it starts in the mouth. Mm. Um, when I was a child, I used to say to my mum, I've got my nut feeling. It mm. just, I just labeled mm. it my nut feeling. Yeah. And so now when I, you know, sometimes just spicy food can mm. make me think, oh, is, that, is it coming on? Yeah. Is it, oh no, no, we're okay, we're okay. Yeah. But you know, you start to think, is this gonna develop yeah. or is this one gonna be okay with an antihistamine? Yeah. So everybody's completely unique. Please speak to they your are. allergy specialist um, if you have EpiPens and, and when you should be using yeah. them. Um, Emma, where can people read more about you? What's your blog address? So my blog is freefromfarmhouse.co.uk or you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at freefromfarm or on Facebook. 
Um, and yeah, the books on Amazon and um, in Waterstones and all good bookshops. Here it is, <laughs> the first comprehensive book ever on allergy as described by Allergy UK. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Health Hackers viewers and listeners. See you next time. Bye.